I come from stress engineering, so all of my examples have to do with that. But it's like, why are we seeing high stresses in this area? Well, you have to understand, where is it coming from? If we make a change in one area, does it affect something else? Learning for me was very similar to this, which was like people were approaching our department with problems that they wanted training to help them solve. And then from my background and and from what I learned as like a good learning professional, you 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 scope it. You you see if that problem they're trying to solve could be solved effectively with learning. Welcome to Making Better, a podcast from Better Everyday Studios devoted to helping small learning teams have a big impact. Today, I'm talking to Ashley Chang, Learning Operations Manager at Pinterest. I knew Ashley when she was the Learning and Technology Manager at Virgin Orbit, a role she took on after being a stress engineer at Boeing. Not sure what a stress engineer is? Truthfully, I'm not sure I am either, which is exactly why I wanted to have this discussion. Today, she is going to share some of the engineering lessons she was able to apply to the L&D world and hopefully make it a little bit easier for you to work with your technical subject matter experts. Let's dive in. Ashley, welcome to the Making Better podcast. How are you doing today? Good. And yourself? I'm doing awesome. Thank you so much for uh, being willing to come on. You know, we have known each other for a little while now. I think we first got introduced maybe probably a little over a year ago. And then we started working together maybe six months ago. We worked on a couple projects together. So I'm, I'm really excited that you chose to, to jump in. Uh, I think we're going to have a really good conversation today. Yeah, uh, I'm so I feel so fortunate that I've got to meet you a year ago with both of our backgrounds being from aerospace and learning. Yeah. It's really yeah. a unique and fun space to be in. So I'm excited we get to chat. Yeah, absolutely. And the, and the specific reason I wanted to chat was because, uh, like a lot of people who I think listen, is that learning isn't where they started, right? You know, there's lots of, we always talk about how people, you know, it's the, they just kind of fall into these roles and, um, you know, come from different backgrounds. And you specifically, you came from a very technical background, which I think is maybe a little bit unique. Uh, so I'd love to start with um, just a little bit of a back of your background and the story of kind of how you wound up in learning. Yeah. Um, so you're right. I started my career in aerospace engineering, and that's where I got my degree in. I very much thought I was going to be on the aerospace path for the rest of my career as an engineer. Uh, so early, early on in one of my first jobs, uh, I was really fortunate to be part of a team that supported employee development in the technical training space, but also in things like orientation, mentorship, and I found myself really enjoying building a lot of those programs from the ground up to help um, engineers specifically uh, find joy out of their professional development, but also to get the tools that they really needed. Uh, so I was in that team to start off with, and then I, I really delved deep into the technical aspect of my career as an engineer. But I found myself continuously going back into that development space. At the time, I didn't realize that it was learning that what I was doing, I was just like, I just really enjoy doing this on the side. What is it exactly that I'm none doing? Of us, yeah, none of us do realize it. It's it's so funny. Yeah, I think you're right? 100% right. Yeah. And so I was uh, really kind of starting to look elsewhere to see, like, how do I scratch this itch? Uh, Virgin Orbit, that's where we we're introduced from, um, moved into the Long Beach space. And I saw that they were hiring for a role where they wanted a professional uh, training person or, or learning and development person to help lead up technical training 
I read that job description and I was like, I can do this. Like, <laughs> I don't have a formal background in learning, but I can do this. And um, that's where I actually got my first dip into the actual L&D space. And then awesome. from there, yeah, uh, I think, you know, Jesse Harris. So he was my leader yeah. um, at the time. And he really trained me up in the foundational aspects of learning, what the um, theories behind it was. And I used that to to really kick my my start off in the L&D space. Yeah, awesome. I don't. I don't think I realized that that was your transition into Virgin. That you had yes. that, like that. That was the tra- transition both to the new company and into the the, the training role. That's that's interesting. Um, I, before you made that transition, can you think back? What were I mean? You kind of mentioned it, but what were some of those things that drew you? to you know you kept you said you kept coming back to that kind of learning stuff like what what were some of the things that drew you to that yeah that's a great question i think for me i'm naturally a bit of a problem solver and i think learning gives you a really good space to be able to do that yeah um and it's kind of about helping people achieve their goal or or solve that challenge they're facing and it can look anything from how do you onboard 200 engineers coming from a totally different state into how things work where we are in California, where yeah. whatever space you might be. Or it could be how do you teach a bunch of stress analysts how to use this new uh, software that we're, we're inputting into our system effectively. I was always... I love talking to people. I love connecting people to resources. I love thinking about how do we get the outcome we're looking for and learning seemed like a really great medium to get us there. And so at, um, I was previously at Boeing. And so a lot of the work that I was doing there was was doing that backend stuff that people don't really think about. It's a little bit knowledge management. It's a little bit learning. It's a lot of connecting people to the right resources. Yeah. And um, that's how I, I really found myself excelling in that area but also like being more drawn back into that so it was joining a lot of extra projects that wasn't just the engineering projects i was on yeah and that's got my that got my uh brain ticking on making this a full-time career awesome yeah i think i think that shows you know kind of the that you must have been in some pretty good environments you know props to jesse for making a good environment since we both know him you know when you, when you got to virgin too because I think you hit it on the head of, you know, we talk in L&D about a lot of like specific niche things, you know, think about talking about instructional design, almost like it's an e-learning developer sometimes. And like, or we talk a lot about the tools, but there is so much of that, just like really good, a good learning ecosystem is that background stuff of a little bit of knowledge management, a little bit of learning, a little bit of just connecting people, because that's really what you're doing is just trying to make sure information is flowing to people when they need it. Yeah, and that's actually really key. Flowing to people when they need it, need it is like a great call out, because so many times I've seen like people be like, hey, we need this training right now, but they're not going to apply this for another year or another six to yeah. eight months, and that yeah. becomes its own its own issue. Yeah. Yeah. That's always, you love the, the companies and I get it. I, I get yeah. it from just a logistical point of view for our safety training. We're just going to bring everybody in a conference room once a year, do it. And like, I understand the logistics of it, but none of us are fooling ourselves that that's the ideal way to do it. Um, awesome. So, so you transitioned into, into version, you transitioned this new role. Um, 
what were some of the biggest, I don't know, early surprises or, or learnings that you had when, when you moved in to, into learning? Yeah. For me, I think it was twofold. I think the first surprise was that a lot of, that, there, that I had transferable skills is one way of putting oh, okay. it. I think okay. it was like a lot of the things that I was doing in engineering every day transferred so well into learning and was actually like a basis of learning, which was, um, we call it like design thinking and a root cause analysis. So as an engineer every day, I was really thinking about, you have to understand the problem you're presented with. You, you kind of scope out what are the parameters, what's really the problem you're trying to solve for, and you tackle it one part of a time and, and get the right people on it. Um, and then when you start doing the design thinking portion as an engineer, it's just ideating how you can address the problem. Are you making the right assumptions about your parameters? Are you, where are the, um, like, for instance, I come from stress engineering, so all of my examples have to do with that. But it's like, why are we seeing high stresses in this area? Well, you have to understand, where is it coming from? If we make a change in one area, does it affect something else? Learning for me was very similar to this, which was like people were approaching our department with problems that they wanted training to help them solve. And then from my background and and from what I learned as like a good learning professional, you 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 scope it. You you see if that problem they're trying to solve could be solved effectively with learning. You're kind of asking them, hey, what's sparking this conversation? What's the outcome you're looking for? And then you're throwing things up on a board and trying to ideate and iterate to find the best solution. Yeah. Yeah. So, that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. Um, it actually just sparked a memory in my brain. I remember at one point when I was way back when I was at SpaceX, I was, we were doing a lot of kind of like big picture, like org thinking of like, what should, cause I had taken over this team and we were kind of rebuilding it and thinking like, what should, what should we be called? What should we be doing? And I remember trying to suggest like learning engineer as a title on the team because like, I just, like it felt so right. Cause like it's different, but you know, I, I had um, like, I did my undergrad in physics. And so it's a little bit like of that technical background. And so yeah. it, it just seems so right. Cause it's exactly what you're saying. It's, it's that big picture problem solving and really trying to figure it out. Um, but I guess it, I guess Elon had a thing of like engineer means you're good at math kind of, kind of view of, of, of titles. So we, I couldn't pull that one off, but I, I, I totally see what you're saying of seeing those similarities between the, the engineering role, like you said, root cause analysis, all that kind of stuff and design thinking for sure into the, into the learning where, where when you were making that transition of bringing those kind of tools to bear any particular, like changes in how you used them that, that pop into your mind or, or was it fairly straightforward? For me, it felt fairly straightforward, but yeah. I think I, I always leaned towards um, problem solving as a strength for me. So got it. So it felt fun to, to just kind of put things up on a board and, and figure out what makes sense for this moment. Um, yeah, for me, it wasn't it wasn't that hard to make that transition. I, I want to go back to your point of learning engineer, I mm -hmm. love that title and I'm probably going to steal it <laughs> if not for uh, an official title, at least like for a LinkedIn disclaimer or something like that. Totally. So there was actually, and I think it's becoming more of a role. I, I might be remembering incorrectly. There's another podcast called uh, Instructional Designers in Offices Drinking Coffee. 
You ever heard of that podcast? No, but it makes so, me want me to listen to it. Totally, that- yeah. It's 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 very it's a very mm-hmm. casual conversation. It's really good. And I remember maybe three or four months ago they had an episode where there's a new book out with a with a person. They were talking about I think the and and it's kind of an extension of you know in our industry we're just really bad at job titles, right? There any job title can mean a million different things, and it it was kind of an extension of this discussion of like should we call ourselves like instructional designers or learning experience designers. And I think they there was like this other role that, and I think it was learning engineer. It was either learning engineer or learning architect. Um, they had a very good definition for it because I mean, they had a whole book about it. Um, but yeah, you might want to might want to check that out because they, they had some pretty rigorous discussion and analysis of, of what that kind of means as a, as a potential role within the industry. So it was neat. That's great. Yeah, I love actually architect for me lands even stronger mm-hmm. Yeah. An engineer, because you're trying to create not just like the foundational experience, but but a great experience. I think um, I think back to my early days at, at at Boeing when I first started as an engineer. Now, knowing what I know as a learning professional, I can look back to what separated the great learning experiences from what seemed like just get this done. We needed to totally. check a box. Yes, and actually, I'll go back to. <laughs> That, that surprise question, which is, for me, I, I don't know if this considers a surprise, but for me, I think it was framing learning as like, what is the enduring understanding of the learning that you're presenting to your audience was mm. like a transformational concept for me. Yes. Because I don't know, physics for sure. I don't know if you remember those lectures in, <laughs> yeah. in college those days. It's You're just watching the professor do different, like, uh, derivatives on a board equation after equation and they're just telling you this is what you need to know you know apply it and and these are the facts and you you go through whole whole chapters of books in one lesson plan and and everything is important yes that's so different from i think corporate learning and and learning for for things to do on the job um how do you frame big ideas and then give importance to those facts and then let your people run away knowing the importance of those and knowing that they can always check up those small details themselves later. Yeah. You just need to know them, like have them know, this is the behavior I need to model, this is the outcome you need to output, and, and this framework will help you get there. So, Yeah, and you really hit the nail on the head there, and especially for anybody that's new in the profession or you're new in an organization, I think that is the root of why our role can be difficult or us dealing with stakeholders or working with an organization can be difficult. It's because if you boil it back to the lowest common denominator of what is the most likely experience that someone has had with learning, it's school. And so they assume if it looks like school, then it must be learning or it must be training or it must be good. And nothing could be farther from the truth. It's just not, not, and not to knock school. I mean, I could, have a discussion about that. I'm sure we could have a discussion about that. Uh, but it's just the context. It's just a different situation that we find ourselves in where we care about things differently in the corporate world than they do in, in formal education. And so it's a really important, I think, empathy point of understanding yeah. where other people are, the non-learning people in the organization are probably at, understanding where they're at, so that you you can approach them appropriately, I think. Yeah. That's such a great call out and and how that affects stakeholder management. Tons of stakeholders will come and be like, everything is important. They need to know all of it, especially when it comes to things like compliance, when there's that fear of also being hit with like a monetary disciplinary action at the 
for your employees not knowing X, Y, Z things, but it's being able to kind of frame like, hey, like the important action that you needed them to do was was this. And, and we have all of the documents and procedures for them to refer back to. And yeah, um, that, that's helped a lot in, in stakeholder management for myself when, yeah. when working with, with those folks. Yeah. Uh, kind of on that note, then, to go a little bit farther down it is how has that been? How have you approached those? Conver- how are you approaching those conversations when somebody came to you with the more like training is is school mindset and you wanted to kind of push them back? Um, I know when, you know, Jesse has, I've heard him joke before of just like, it's funny, I moved into learning and I spend all my time convincing people that they don't need learning, they need something else. <laughs> um, yeah. But but how did you approach those conversations? Yeah, I think I like to kind of let the stakeholder know is like, hey, we want the same thing. We are after the same outcome. I yeah. want to help you solve your problem. And you might have to come on a journey with me uh, to discover maybe a different solution or to reframe the problem that yeah. you're trying to solve for. Um, there's one really great example, manufacturing, the production floor. We we have clean room requirements and we have so much signage posted all over our clean rooms about how it needs to be very pristine. And we have actually a lot of experienced folks working in those clean rooms who, who know that they should be clean. And we are seeing... Um, the leadership was seeing a, a lot of incidents there. They came over, they're like, we need a training. They need to know just how important this is and how critical it is. And I was like, yes, I want the same outcome, which is a clean, clean room. But let's think about this. You have really experienced folks in here. Like, is this the only issue that's, is training really the barrier that's stopping them from keeping this space for steam? Is it that like, they don't know this is supposed to be yeah, clean? That they don't because, know this is important? Exactly. Because I was like, because that's the importance of like the training that we will create for this. If you're trying to tell them that it's really important is going to have the same effect as all the signage and all of the their experience that they come with from from, let's say, SpaceX or Boeing, all these other aerospace companies. Um, We took a lap around that clean room and I noticed there was no shelving, no trash cans, nothing um, to help people keep that space organized. Um, and we ended up doing like a, a bit of a um, both worlds, which was a reminder of the importance of what could happen if this room wasn't clean and what are, what are the effects, right? But also let's put some structure in place to help people behave in those ways in, yeah. that makes sense that isn't only just training. Yeah, that's such, that's a perfect example of, of, of finding a different way. Uh, I'd be curious, do you think, just in those kind of situations that your technical background gave you more credibility or ability to push back or did, did they even know, or was it just, you, it, there was a good environment and you were able to build a good relationship or maybe probably both. Oh, I hate to have to say that I would definitely trot out my engineering credentials. Nice. Yes. Um, and I think it's one of the, it's just one of those things where, I think being able to speak using the same jargon or the same language they were accustomed to hearing in engineering, sure. Sure. like probably made them very open to the, to what I was saying. Yeah. I don't think a different learning professional would have come with the same, or sorry, would have maybe concluded a different um, solution. Yeah. Like I think like, for instance, Jesse probably would have 
have the same idea that I had. And then I think just me being able to frame it in language and terms that they were very comfortable and familiar with made them a little bit more open and receptive to the idea. That that totally makes sense. And for anybody listening who doesn't have that have that kind of background that they can lean on, like I, I totally I yeah. totally know what you're thinking because I can't imagine the can't even tell you the number of conversations I'd be like, you know, I was a pilot, <laughs> kind of stuff. Um, but really, it's not it's 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 less about that, and I think more about the language, like you mentioned. And so when you're new to an organization or in an organization, whether you're technical or not. If you're serving a technical audience or, or whatever audience you're serving, you need to speak the language of your audience. And so yeah. that's, I think, a big part that we talk about in the industry a lot of getting closer to the business, you know, whether it's learning or HR, it, we can have a tendency of kind of like being off in that side room, you know, off, off to the <laughs> side. And it can really help a lot to get your hands dirty, go out there. Maybe there's in, uh, Maybe there's chances to like, volunteer for operations or, you know, you know, if you're going to, uh, you know, whether it's like a cleanup day out on the factory floor or, or um, whatever, uh, I think taking advantage of those opportunities and learning the business, I think is, can be really effective at, at making it easier to have those conversations for sure. So I think that's a great point. Yeah, no, that's also great advice. Um, for me, even I hadn't, no background in propulsion when I started. Yeah. And I made sure I, I was talking to those folks uh, every day and learning like, hey, what are you doing? And, and building those relationships so that they knew that I was interested in in their work and their goals. Yeah, And it, it also kind of going back to what I was saying earlier is like, let me help you achieve what you want to achieve. Like, I yeah. think that's what learning is all about is like being able to enable people to, to reach those goals. Yeah. Using yeah. learning as a medium. Yeah. Yeah. And so I know that, you know, you, so you transitioned to learning into the technical training and then you kind of took over the whole training function within, within Virgin. Um, how beyond just like the side of the, you know, actual, the core learning and learning design and working with stakeholders, were there any learnings or challenges around kind of like the learning management piece of it and, you know, framing learning, you know, in relation to the company and, and that kind of stuff? Yeah, I think something that was really exciting, but also like a big challenge was was having was positioning learning um, as as like uh, true partners to the business, and then and then being able to provide them with like sort of like a learning governance. Um, mm-hmm. Like what does this what does learning mean to version? How are we holding people accountable to it? And and what does that involve? Like, is it involving knowledge management? The more we grew as a company, the more the department also had our hands in in lots of different aspects of learning, everything from leadership to to um, values and performance, team effectiveness. Then you had all your technical trainings. So what does that whole journey look like all together? And how is uh, um how do you kind of make sure that everything has like that consistent feel? And uh, that was something that that we are really like leaning into um, in the last couple months at Virgin mm-hmm. was trying to build out like, hey, like when an employee comes, like their learning isn't just about the technical training parts of their role. Like learning is going to have to influence you know, the culture at this company, how yeah. they approach problems, how they work with one another. 
how how we expect leaders to behave. It touches literally every aspect of your journey as an employee. And and then learning gives people the common language to do that. Yeah. So that's yeah, I think that's when it's done well, it can be super trans- transformative because, like you say, it, it touches every every single piece of it. Um, since since you just mentioned, I was just thinking because you're kind of talking about both sides of of the training, mm-hmm. you know, where there's like quote unquote soft skills or you know the bigger picture skills and then the technical things. I'd be interested for if you have any specific advice for people who maybe maybe they came from the other side they're more like they used to be in hr or or that or they're used to the trainings to that side of the house um i'm thinking of some people that i'm talking to right now in, in my mind about this you know so they're, they're used to that side of the house and now they're trying to get involved or help out or being asked to help out with the technical side um now i'm kind of putting you on the spot on this and any kind of advice for for somebody in that in that kind of place yeah, I would say actually trust your gut and don't be afraid to ask questions. Something for me that I used to even like early in my career, I was always afraid that I was going to ask a dumb question about the content in front of me or be like, oh, everybody knows this already. I'm the dumb one who doesn't know what this is. So I'm not going to ask and just yeah. carry on and let the stakeholder or subject matter expert go with their expertise. Like, no, the stakeholder that you're working with might be the expert in their subject. They're not the expert in the learning portion. You're the expert in the learning portion. So feel free to ask as many questions and and to get them to really explain the importance of of the content they're putting out there. Because sometimes, again, like kind of going back to what we are seeing um, from a school environment, uh, a lot of times uh, people will think everything I have in this technical space is important for people to know. And as a learning professional, it's sort of like our job to come in and be like, and let's boil this down into something that provides an achievable outcome or, or a framework or a structure. Yeah. And having that outside view, I think is even almost more beneficial because you can put yourself in the audience's shoes really well, especially yeah. if it is a um, audience who might not be super familiar with the content or not an expert level, so to speak. So yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great call out. I mean, I think, yeah, in order, if you want to be effective as a learning professional, you have to ask the dumb questions. Like that's, that's our, that's because we're coming into situations from outside, right? Mm -hmm. And often I, I think there's a lot of people in the team, you know, whether it's new hires or whatever, that they don't understand it either, but because they're being like, graded or rated or whatever it is they they feel pressure to not ask the question because it might impact how their team feels about them but that's yeah. why we can be so helpful because we can just come in there i don't care you don't it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what you think of me you can think i'm an idiot and that's fine and right. just ask every every acronym every term what they are yeah i think that's that's a great call out and then yeah. something that i think learning professionals have great skill is um like storyboarding or, or pattern recognition. Like mm. we, I think storytelling in learning is so critical because you're taking the, the learner on a journey. And that actually really lends well when you're looking at like patterns and content or, or what's going to make the most sense structurally in the content. And that's something that I think is more difficult for someone who's already super experienced and, and doesn't need to think about like, hey, what should be foundational? What needs to come next? How does this make sense altogether? Yeah. So, yeah, 
they like I would say trust yeah trust your gut and as a learning professional you you can take all of this content and and put it into an experience that that is enjoyable and and makes a lot of sense more yeah. so than if it were just to be 100 powerpoint slides yeah drawn together no that is yeah oh there's a really fun story have you heard of um the i think there's a blog post called like the the powerpoint deck that that killed death by powerpoint yes death by powerpoint yes 100 percent. organizational structure yeah i think every every quality person at an aerospace industry or an aerospace company has probably read this blog post hopefully but tell tell the story yeah no it's um so it was the columbia shuttle i think right yeah i think so where boeing engineers and nasa engineers were working really closely and the Boeing engineers had a slide deck and in their slide deck, they thought they communicated very clearly that the foam striking these tiles on, on the shuttle were going to be a problem. Uh, and that they thought that they flagged it very clearly in this PowerPoint. Yeah, this when, being so the the when the space shuttle takes off the external fuel tank, the big orange thing that's sitting next to the space shuttle it's co- it's orange because it's covered in foam, insulation yes. foam, and pieces of that foam fall off. And when they fall off, there's the potential for it to hit the shuttle, and and so yeah, they that's what they had like thought they had communicated. Yes, yes. And then, but when you looked at the slide structure, um, the the title was a little bit misleading, uh, and then the really critical information, which was like this is not within bounds or, or not within the safety factor was like the last smallest bullet point um, on on the PowerPoint. And so when the NASA engineers were looking through it, it they just overlooked it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it becomes one of those things where I think like learning professionals have great communication skills normally, like you're communicating frameworks uh, content out in, in something that has to make sense to people. And I think putting them in front of like, how do you structure this content? How do you make sure like the most salient points stand out to your audience? Uh, it is really cool. So you can save lives as a learning professional. I, the moral of that story. No, ab- absolutely. I think you can. And I'll, I'll link in the show notes to that to that blog post because I think it's, it's yes. really good. And yeah, I mean, it's like, I think it com- can come back to simple stuff like yeah. uh, like course titles. Instead of calling it, you know, Safety 101, five things that will save your life. <laughs> you know, exactly. just like make it a little clear about what we're talking about here. Ass- assuming, assuming that's what's in the course. If the course doesn't mm-hmm. tell you five ways to save your life, then... Um, don't call it that, but anyway, <laughs> well, awesome. So, uh, any, anything else, any, any other thoughts you have on kind of your transition into learning and things that, um, might help other people who are in a similar situation? Yeah. Um, I'll just say, uh, getting also like a strong foundation in learning like uh, series and backgrounds was mm. super helpful for me. Um, being able to like talk about, for instance, enduring understandings or learning about Kirkpatrick's model of um, uh, levels of evaluation. Yep. Those are all really great for me to build a foundation on and to also give me like the mental structure and a map for when I was going out talking to stakeholders about what was going to be the most effective path for them. So 
I think for people who are trying to transition into this space, like it's a whole lot of fun. I I love what I do every day, and um, don't don't be afraid to just dive in. Yeah, just dive in. Awesome. Well. I'm glad you dove in. I'm glad we got to dive in together and work together a couple yes. times. Hopefully we'll get to do it at some point again in the future. Um, but for now, this was a great way to work together. So thank you so much for being on, Ashley. And I look forward to the next time we get to talk. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Matt.